Welcome to Beyond the Pillion podcast. My name is Kahiwa Sabaya, she, her pronouns, and I am the chaotic one. And my name is Mark Drexler, he, him pronouns, and I'm the one who's reached an age where he really appreciates heated grips. (laughs) Welcome to episode one of Beyond the Pillion podcast. Uh, Today we're going to be talking a bit about what this podcast is, who it's for, and who we are. But stick around for a tip about getting the first bike right. And before we start today, though, we we do just want to acknowledge that we are today we are recording this podcast on the traditional lands of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, and to pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Absolutely. Um, but this is a podcast really for for women, for non-binary people looking to get into motorcycling, or maybe you started recently. Um, And maybe you don't have a group of experienced riders in your orbit that you can ask questions about, uh, get some help with. Well, we will be those friends for you. We want to help give you advice, be a sounding board um, in a way that understands the context of women and non-binary people coming to motorcycles. We want to help cut through some of the noise of online forums and a whole bunch of other content out there. Uh, so really this is, this is a place where, um, we will be having conversations. We'll have some tips and tricks and, uh, interviews with other people, but first maybe we should introduce ourselves. Mark, what do you think? Sounds like a good place to start at the beginning. Um, so writing history, um, I think, uh, my writing history started about 30 years ago, I guess, as a um, a university student who was looking to get into motorbikes for for two reasons. One of them was to have a cheap form of transport and the second one, of course, was to look cool um, uh, in in amongst all the university students and the share house that I was living in where everybody owned motorbikes. Uh, Throughout that time, so I've had uh, 10 years at the beginning, then took about 12 years off riding, had had a long break in there. Then got back into it when I was in my 40s and have owned, I would be guessing, 20-something bikes, uh, of which I I still own a small collection, as you hear Kahiwa laughing about how many motorbikes I still have. Um, as well as my writing history, so that's been the fun part of my life. My my career, which of course has had fun moments, let's not take away from my career, um, Right now, I work in a motorbike shop, which is fantastic. I work in the sales team of a dealership in South Australia, which is fantastic. It's like going into a giant toy shop every morning. Before that, I worked in a variety of senior roles in education administration, a little bit in technology. So, uh, yeah, did a whole bunch of stuff where there was uh, quite a lot of complexity, quite a lot of... um, very interesting problems to try and solve and I've found that quite a lot of those end up transferring across into my role now working in the motorcycling industry. Mm. Um, Why did I want to do this in the podcast, uh, do this podcast in the first place? I think for a while now I've been very keen on just trying to help, uh, well just help people in general get into motorcycling but particularly helping more women get on two wheels and I've seen quite a few that have come in through the doors of the dealership with very little idea about what they want other than a, a broad idea that, yeah, they want to ride a motorcycle. 
I'll give a quick shout out to Kylie because I promised that I would as one of the people who, who inspired this, who is a, uh, a lady who um, is fairly early in her motorcycling journey, but was one of those people who really did walk into the shop saying pretty much what I said just then, that uh, she knew she wanted to ride a motorbike, but in terms of how to get to that uh, to that much longer term goal, really didn't know a huge amount. And for me at that point, it was a bit of an eye-opener thinking, wow, okay, yeah, I have... Um, you know, done a fair bit around motorcycling. I was also a motorcycling instructor for RiderSafe here in South Australia, which is the um, the government agency that uh, you need to go through to get your motorcycle riding license. You need to go and do a two-day course to get your learners. And I was one of the instructors, which I did about 20-odd years ago for a for a couple of years, which was uh, which was fantastic. So I've always enjoyed helping people learn about riding bikes, buying bikes, maintaining bikes, and just getting into the world of motorcycling. Cable? Yes. Me. You. Who am I? Tell us about your riding history. <laughs> Tell us about your career. Why, <laughs> why, should people listen, why should people listen to you and why should people listen to us? That is a fantastic question. Uh, I um, am probably about five years, just a little under five years into my riding experience at the moment. Um, but my earliest memory of riding a motorbike was when I was about six or seven, turning up to school on the back of my dad's bike and you know, getting off, taking the helmet, swishing the hair and feeling so unbelievably cool. Um, and then didn't really touch a bike until, yeah, Mark, you started getting back into riding again. Um, mm -hmm. Went on the back a couple of times as a pillion passenger and decided, actually, I really like this. I think I'd quite like to be the one in charge, the one in front. Uh, but feeling actually quite scared about that you know having that vision for myself as a, a badass motorcycle chick uh, but feeling quite um, intimidated by mm. the motorcycling world um, you know we've you know watched a lot of YouTube videos and similar in forums um, and the advice the the underlying assumptions and presumptions about why you ride and the type of riding you want to do didn't really resonate with me um and you know so over the last few years been having conversations you and me around what is it like mm. to actually get into riding and i think you noticing some differences there about um women and non-binary people and non-cis men coming into motorcycling and it being a slightly different experience um and so yeah for me it's been really exciting to build up my skills and my confidence um, and the podcast this idea became an opportunity to share our conversations that we've had um, and conversations you've had with other people mm -hmm. um, a bit more broadly seeing that other people might be interested as well absolutely and for me um, you know, equity is actually a really important value for me and one of the things that we know is you know, motorcycling manufacturers and accessory producers and companies um, are operating under capitalism and they will make things for the largest cohort of their perceived audience, which at the moment mm. is your middle-aged cis man. Mm. 
And the only way that's going to change is if we have more women and non-binary people writing. Uh, so if we can be helping to make that happen, to address some of the very real and understandable fears and barriers um, to help get people into writing and stay writing then that's going to make for a more equitable and I think enjoyable experience for everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think that probably, well actually no it doesn't because you haven't told us about uh, your career and how that hooks in. Yes, sorry, you talked yes, a little bit I about bit, being so, a writer safe instructor and a few other things and um, Tell us about your day job. My day job. I, I work as a consultant doing research and evaluation, which is you know, really about answering the question, what does good look like? Um, how will we know it when we get there? Uh, how close are we to whatever good is? Um, and I also do some work in and around learning and technology and helping people design um, experiences that are going to give students the best opportunity to learn the things that we want them to or that they might need to. Uh, but for me, that evaluation experience means we spend a lot of time talking about good. Uh, and mm. so there we you know, aren't a lot of really clear-cut things about right or wrong or good or bad. And that's something that you're going to hear in this podcast. We are unlikely to be giving you really hard and fast, you must do this, you have to do that. Um, instead, we'll be talking a little bit more broadly about you know, if what you're wanting to look for is blah, if you want to achieve blah, then something else is actually going to be really helpful for you. And that's something, Mark, that you've really found in your day job as well? Hmm. Yes, absolutely. I think picking up on... Um... Yeah, that whole right versus wrong, black versus white. One of the things that has struck me in motorcycling and the, the longer I've been in it, the more I've kind of realized it is that, yeah, that there very rarely is a perfect answer to anything. And I think that's probably the word of caution around some of the online forums that I see where you pose a question into a forum. Um, anybody that rides a motorcycle is highly likely to have an opinion on a matter. Some of them are very strong and some of them, some, some of them are very concrete. Uh, what is the best bike? What is the best gear? What is the right way to learn? You will get plenty of responses that are, yep, yeah, this is the one right way to do it. And this is the this is the only way or this is the only path that you should follow. And any other path you follow is going to not be right. And of course, that's garbage. So what <laughs> we'll try and do here is to... Um, is to, to well, Kahiwa's experience as an evaluator, which really is focusing on not necessarily the best or the right, but what is what is good. For you. Yeah, For good you. in yes. context. And Absolutely that, right. Um, you as an individual person, every single writer will have different things that they're wanting to achieve, different goals, different body physical constraints that they're working with, that there is no one right perfect bike anything really but in this context yeah definitely no one right bike mm. Mm. and i would say that if there's if there is one takeaway that you that you do take away from this and I, i'm talking to the people who are either just thinking about getting into motor motorcycling or who are very very early in their their journey through uh into motorcycling is that uh, don't worry if 
you are looking at a scenario of trying to make a decision about a particular whether it's a bike or whether it's gear or whether it's a riding style or whether it's anything else really that you're just looking at a sea of information and you're really just confused and terrified and, and intimidated as Kay was said, don't worry about it. That is perfectly normal. Learning about motorcycling is an iterative process. The, the right answer, uh, as Kahi was said, context is everything and time is included in that, that the the decisions that you make now about the path that you want to take, um, we will try and help you at least have enough information to to have some guidance around the decisions you make. But make the decision. Don't fret too much over a lot of these decisions because hopefully, if you do a bit of thinking, a bit of uh, a bit of research, you will get most of the decisions at least good. Um, but don't get hung up and into thinking that you have to make the absolute perfect decision every time right from the outset Mm. and that the only way to do that is by knowing everything there is to know about about motorcycling doesn't work that way i've been riding um you know riding bikes for 15 years even if it's been in two bursts and i'm still learning things maybe not every day but certainly every week i'm learning new stuff that makes me think oh wow okay i didn't realize that um sound fair yeah i think so i think for me the the learning curve has really mapped alongside the bikes that i've owned Mm -hmm. um you know thinking about the right first bike you know the the first bike that i went to go and take on a test ride after getting my learner's permit was a a yamaha mt03 uh which we thought oh yeah it's, it's it's good it's got a bit of power it's a pretty decent kind of seating position um took it round back corners of uh one of the local retailers and promptly dropped it uh trying Mm. to get on a corner because i had completely forgotten about gears and all sorts of other things freaking out being on the road and uh then yeah we we had a conversation and worked out that actually a really good first bike for me now having had that experience of coming off the bike was something that would be really non-threatening to take away some of the the fear and the intimidation to say actually the goal regardless of the uh, practicalities and the specifications of, of the bike and all that kind of thing the goal is something that makes me feel comfortable and want to ride mm. enough to build my confidence uh, and so I ended up having a honda cb125 for all of about what five months uh, just long enough for you to get through <laughs> your your level two license test to get on to um uh, onto something else but but also to be fair uh, for you to get enough confidence and mm. once you did get that confidence up then the bike that you originally thought that we'd done through meticulous research that the mt 3 was probably the right one um did end up being a oh well, you went for the r3 rather than the mt yeah the r3 but, but very similar basically bike, the same bike which then was the right bike for you at that time and i had that bike for a, a good couple of years yeah, actually three, three um, years two three years until it got stolen maybe yeah we'll talk about yeah, keeping we'll talk your about bike yours later, later. Yeah. um but you know the point there being that the right bike might change as as you change as your circumstances change as your goals for riding change um and you know one of the things with having the bike uh, uh change owners all without my necessary consent 
our intention it was stolen <laughs> was that had an opportunity to buy a bigger bike and that coincided with living in a different area having a different type of riding um type of rides that i was doing wanted to be able to go a bit faster living in an area where i wasn't doing as much commuting in the city um so a slightly bigger bike that's still comfortable um became the bike that was right for me so again if you're thinking about your first bike or the right bike for you you know it's that you're probably going to change your wants and needs from a bike and your goals for riding might change and so therefore the right bike might change and it's perhaps less about the specific characteristics although for me color is very important um, but it's more about having a bike that is going to help you meet those goals. And tying that back into the whole uh, concept that there's that there's rarely one right answer. There's just varying levels of of goodness in the decisions that that you're going to make around buying bikes, buying gear. One of the things we'll try and do is give some advice around not over investing early on in your motorcycling journey. Mm. So, uh, because it will be the same with helmets, it will be the same with gear, it will be the same with um, other, you know, safety uh, safety gear or bike anti-theft stuff or a whole bunch of other different things. Which um, we will be talking about in upcoming episodes. Yes, we, we absolutely will. But what we'll try and do is to help people think about getting into motorcycling in a fairly low-cost and iterative type of way without needing to try and solve all of the problems all at once about what you need, uh, but doing it, um, well, if, if there's any agile uh, agile software development people there, it is, it is very much an iterative development model of starting off uh, getting the minimum viable product for you to be able to get moving on the road mm. and then gradually building gradually building on that sometimes that well it will include changes in motorcycle over the years but also learning the different the the, the different types of gear that you might like or might need the, the different types of riding styles that you do or don't uh, don't enjoy doing um, and it really is as much as I cringe at the word it really is a journey and for the vast majority of motorcyclists I think uh, once once you're in, then it's a journey that doesn't really stop. It might change and morph over the years, but um, yeah, I think it's something where you're constantly learning, changing, developing mm. um, into new and interesting things, which is one of the many reasons why it is such a fascinating uh, community to be a part of. Yeah, I think that is one of the big benefits of riding a motorcycle in contrast to uh you know driving a car or another kind of vehicle partly you know you talked a little about costs there uh and you know changing bikes um you know bikes are a lot cheaper to purchase <laughs> and you're more likely to keep a, a lot of that value when you sell it so there are fewer risks in terms of changing vehicles bikes semi-regularly um and yeah, the the outlay of, of gear and other things, whilst it is relatively significant uh, in contrast to, say, getting into a car. Jumping into a car. Mm. Um, it's still not that big in the grand scheme of things compared to the purchase of a car. Mm. Um, as well as having all of the different types of riding 
that you can do different types of rides there is a i think a broader variety of, of ways that you can ride a motorcycle and, and different things that you can get out of it uh, but yeah that's that's kind of starting to talk about our topic for next week mm. so in our next episode um we'll be kind of answering some of those questions really have you ever had you know, someone you know, told someone that you're riding or that you want to ride and their reply was, oh, isn't it dangerous? And it might have had you wondering if you actually even wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next week, we'll be talking about the costs, the risks and the benefits of becoming a motorcyclist and why, as Mark kind of alluded to, for us, for us the answer is yes. Yes, we do. And the answer for a whole lot of other people yeah, is yes. And that is one of the... The, the advantages of me working in the role that I do, I, I get to meet a whole lot of people that have uh, not just been riding for many, many years um, and riding into later in life. I think the oldest motorcyclist that currently pops in regularly is about 84, who is uh, who's still riding on an almost daily basis. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll start to dig in some of the, into some of the uh, some of the perceptions, some of the myths, some of the risks and start to talk about the reality if you are thinking that yeah maybe i do want to become a motorcyclist but i'm still sort of a little bit unsure about it we'll start tackling some of those things in the meantime thank you very much for listening this is beyond the pillion podcast you can find us on youtube and instagram at beyond the pillion leave us a comment uh, let us know what questions you want to answer Uh, Until we see you again, ride safe and have fun.